feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Follow the yellow brick road. This is the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm not afraid of a witch. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hey, Tyler. Hi. So there's lots of... Uh, oh, man. I got. I heard it from our sponsors. I, mm-hmm. uh, I heard it from our thousands and millions of listeners. They are wondering, because uh, we're recording this in 2022, they're wondering, hey, Old Millennials, where the hell is Sandy New Year? Sandy New Year, Sandy New Year. If you're if you're a longtime listener, you know that it's an annual tradition of this longstanding podcast that for New Year's we have Sandy New Year, where we watch an old millennial movie starring the great American treasure Sandra Bullock. Right, and listen, we're still gonna do it. It's just that we're doing this because it was, this was we were going to do The Wizard of Oz, which is already breaking rules all over the place. There are not, no rules because it's our podcast. We can do whatever the fuck we it's want. It's not set between the 80s and 90s or two, early 2000s. It's a movie that's uh, from the 1930s, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, we're breaking rules all over the place. But see, this was supposed to kind of be like our like New Year's Eve after Christmas, that little window. But then here's the thing. like We have a lot of kids. Uh, it's Christmas time. We, didn't, we couldn't squeeze it in. So we watched the movie... So we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. See, we're going to do this episode, and then we'll do a Sandy New Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't worry, millions of people in sponsor. Okay, we lost. Let me tell you who we lost. We lost uh, Carl's Jr. They canceled. Uh, Wait, what? They canceled their sponsorship. Oh, us. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 the, the Kirby <laughs> vacuums, they're gone. They're like, where's Sandy New Year? They're gone. Are they're those not- still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they're the sponsors. Ones, oh, I was thinking of the ones that pump out the like the scented flavored water smell, the rainbow vacuums. We lost yeah. two, count them, two erectile dysfunction uh, pills. I don't even know what they were. And diabetes. Yeah, we lost the diabetes. I mean, they're just upset. But yeah. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming next episode. It's just not not today. But Today's until then, cross. we have a shit ton of movies that we've watched recently. And then we're going to travel back to 1939, way before either of us were born. To talk about Wizard of Oz. It's going to be a great show. And listen, okay, so the precedent on this is that last year, during the Christmas season, we did the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special. Mm-hmm. And that's from, like, the 60s, right? But listen, there are certain titles, certain movies, certain specials, like Rudolph, that um, are kind of timeless in terms of how kids get introduced to them. So yeah. we were introduced to this movie, both of us, during the same formidable years of Old Millennials, Dumb, and a lot of movies. But this is one of those that's, like, very much, like a rite of passage as a film being a kid, I think. So that's why we're bending the rules. That's why we're doing it. It made a lot of sense for like a New Year's Eve type debut, but hey, be happy. Here we are. 2022. So before we uh, jump into how we're breaking the rules in the movie of uh, The Wizard of Oz, let's talk about the 86 movies that we've watched in the last couple weeks. Okay. Um, I've actually watched a handful with you, so this should be, uh, you know, more interesting to me than other episodes. Oh, because you don't like to listen to me. When I mean, I, say I just things? mostly don't listen to you. Oh, I mean, I can add to the list, but I won't. We'll save some. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, because other program note, probably toward the end of January. Not that anybody matters when we anybody actually do this, but like one of our soonish episodes will be our best 
uh, media of the previous year. I say media because you watch a lot of television and I watch a lot of movies, so the lists might be a little bit uh, mixed-y, mixed-y that. No, you, you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to do my top 10 TikTok stars. Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> and then I'm just going to like talk about the TikTok videos I like because there's nothing more fun to pe- for people than listening to someone describe a TikTok video. I'll give you one TikTok slot. That's it. Oh, no. One. Mm-mm. I get three. No, you get top one. Top three. You get one. My top three. No, you get one. I can do whatever I want. I am 51% of this podcast. I thought you were say, I am 51 years old. And I was like, what? what? I am 38 years old. God damn it. <laughs> I'm a grown ass woman. Yeah, so we will have our best of episode, which Soon. is always a challenge yeah, because uh, it's like I have all these movies that like I haven't watched that you want yeah. me to watch that would be in my list. But if I don't watch them, then they don't get in my list. We don't do it at the beginning of January because even someone like myself who watches a lot of movies, they're not all available right away at the end of the year. A lot of those big city critics and stuff like that, even when I write my article on this. I usually don't do it until eh, the end of January because mm-hmm. I need more time. I need more time to see this stuff. That's right. So anyway. So with the movies we've been watching recently, do you want to talk about what we've seen most recently or like in a specific order? On the list I gave you, I think I just p- tried to put the ones up top that you and I had both seen. Okay. And then there was a few that I had just watched without you. Okay. Let's talk about Encanto. Okay, yeah. So that was uh, the Disney release that was out at Thanksgiving, but then they put it on Disney Plus. We just waited to watch it with our kids on Disney Plus on Christmas. Though they really wanted to watch it on Christmas Eve. I think we made them wait till December twenty sixth because we're mean bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Encanto. Uh, it's good. I it, the number one thing for me is that it is uh, Lin Manuel Miranda music, and it's all pretty good. Um, pretty good music. There's a few songs I think are especially good. The ones that are oddly not in contention for like the Oscar best song category, which is weird to me, but uh, a lot of good songs, uh, good story. It's not, um, it's, it's kind of different in that it really isn't like, there's not a villain and there's not even like a animal sidekick really. I mean, there's some animals in it, but not for the main character. Mm -hmm. And the conflict is kind of just a family conflict of like, where's your place in the in, in the house, essentially. Yeah, a very small story. Um, the, the people in the house have magical powers, but it's not like they're banding together to, like, stop a giant thread or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's unique in that respect. I think maybe that might be a turnoff for some that are expecting something else, like a Frozen-type adventure. But um, yeah. for me, it was a nice change of pace. Yeah, I think there was a point in the movie where the main character, like decides she's going to basically like it looks like she's going to run away. She's like packing her bag and it look and you're like, oh, "Okay, she's going to go on an adventure." But she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She stays right in her little community, yeah. and I think if you then like hook into like, "Oh, I want her to go like on this large adventure outside of her community," then then it's going to be a bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think reflecting on that, I really 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 liked how it was very small and it was still a very important message, and all the characters were really interesting, and the music was really great. And my friend Tracy, who didn't like this movie, she clearly wasn't watching it. You've seen it twice, because the kids I wanted have. to watch it again recently, and you sat with them and watched yeah. it. Yeah, and did I get teary-eyed again on the second time? Yes, I did. Was it because I'm extra emotional? Probably. The lead is, I'm always blown away by this. Um, it's Stephanie, I think her last name is Beatrice, or Beat. but anyway, like... 
uh, she has a very lovely voice, a lovely singing voice, but like she's like Diaz on Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. and on that show she's doing that low, like yeah. she's like she's a like this tough, tough badass, yeah. like and she just like does a thing. And she's in the height, she's in in the heights as well, not doing that yeah. either. So it's like, uh, oh yeah, okay, okay, you got range, and you. Can she's do got a great voice things. too. So in both the movies, I mean, she sings in in the heights and in this. So yeah, anyway. I think it's a delightful movie about feeling like you don't belong. And I think in, anyone who's a person can relate to that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. Good yeah. uh, holiday-ish uh, movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One movie that I was excited and nervous for that we watched was The Matrix Resurrections. Yes, this is... Man, okay, so if you, you don't fo- you follow TikTok, you don't follow uh, debate, but there are two titles that are just like uh, been a lot of conversation uh one and another one we'll talk about but this was one and i think a lot of people were maybe baffled by what this movie ended up being Mm -hmm. um what were your thoughts on the matrix resurrections overall i was very pulled into watching it and i was like what is going on and what is that okay so this is what they're doing so i i I was not bored i was interested right away and i Mm -hmm. wanted to see where it was going to go so it definitely like kept me in the movie Mm -hmm. um I kind of liked it, but then there were parts where I was like, do I like this? Mm. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. It is very much a movie about itself, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's very it, meta. It's it like, is. we're going meta with this one. I mean, it opens with, and this was the most baffling thing to me, I mean, it opens essentially with the same scene from the original Matrix, but like, it's a different actor, and you're like, well, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, what is happening? And then there's people watching it, and you're like, well, what's going on here? And then there's this character that, if you've seen the trailer, shows up as an agent, and like, that's supposed to be like young Morpheus, and you're just like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And that's even before Keanu Reeves shows up, and that's a whole clear uh you know because yeah i mean it these carrie ann moss and ken reeves are back if anybody remembers spoilers for the original trilogy they both died mm-hmm. ken reeves like definitively uh, yeah well, like was obliterated in her many pieces and then she was like stabbed through yeah. the chest and definitely like died and go back on we, screen last year we did a, an episode on the trilogy yeah. uh, about a year ago or so maybe our 100th episode yeah um yeah, and I have mixed feelings about the sequels in general. I liked this more than not. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is weird because I think a lot of people, there's a lot of people that, that really love it or they really hate it. I'm kind of in the middle. I really liked all of it, what it's about and what it's trying to say and what it is commenting on in terms of what people um, gravitate towards in terms of nostalgia and what they want from a blockbuster or a legacy sequel, which I think is interesting considering that Spider-Man has made all this money mm-hmm. doing some of the things, which I, you know, doing some of the things that this movie is commenting on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. I If you listen to Lana Wachowski, I think it's Lana that is the person, not, they're not both of them doing it, it's just Lana who came back. There's a very specific reason that she said she wanted to do the movie. She They resisted it forever. She wanted to do it because of this response to, like, losing her parents, and she was going through all this grief, and she just felt gravitated. She's gravitating toward Neo and Trinity, like, these characters that she created, and it was important to her to, like, feel, you know, bring them back in that respect. And I think the more you look at her—and, I well, the other thing I was curious about is, like— um, the aesthetic of it is not like the original movie, um, but like you were, you actually watched Sense Eight, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe this is more like in terms of tone and look, it's definitely more in tune with what Sense Eight was versus like. I don't know about that. Okay, I mean it's just that it's not. Uh, this also this movie also got like a big time COVID shutdown for like nine months. 
Um, th this is all a roundabout way of saying, like, I didn't find, like, the action sequences to be very good. Like, they were not as well put together and certainly not as memorable as the original, even, like, the sequels that I don't like um, as much um, sequences. So that in in itself is kind of disappointing, but um, what the movie is about, I kind of enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So it is a um, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I kind of liked. I don't know, like I'm I'm kind of glad that it wasn't the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and that's good. I don't know why. I mean, I don't want to get into spoilers, but I I feel like it is weird that Lawrence Fishburne is not back. I, it's explained. Um, but not to my satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I thought that that was a weird choice. But um, Agent Smith is he that Hugo Weaving didn't come back because of scheduling. But Lawrence Fishburne, by all accounts, sounds like he just wasn't asked, which is weird. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked li it more than Revolutions, and I liked it about as much as maybe Reloaded. I don't know. Yeah, I liked how, like you said, it starts on this like very familiar scene. I liked how it didn't like didn't just wasn't like this is what we're doing. It was just like, you're going to just like jump in and then like, we'll tell you bits and you're going to figure it out here in about 20 minutes. It's all going to come together. Um, I liked how it wasn't just like totally like overly explained. And I think some of the graphics looked a little video gamey, but then thinking back on that, that sort of makes sense. And you could argue was maybe like intentional. Yeah, I would. So this is like me plugging a very popular podcast, but in this case and in the case of the M night Shyamalan movie old, if you listen to the Blank Check podcast, which is a very popular movie podcast, they love The Matrix Resurrections, and they also really liked Olden, but they've done, like, previous long-term filmographies on both the Wachowskis and M. Night Shyamalan, so they're coming at it from an appreciation of their work, but mm -hmm. if you listen to the Matrix Resurrections episode especially, like, oh, man, this movie's brilliant, like, because their perspective on it is really interesting and why it works, um... That being said, I still think, I, you know, I wish that there were, a, you know, in terms of, like, it being an action movie, because it's trying to be an action movie for a while, um, I wish it was a little better in that regard. But I, I like the ideas. Yeah. So, anyway. And there was, like, the climax of the movie that has, like, maybe you could describe as, like, a heist scene. That was, like, a little confusing to me. I was like, wait, what is, and then what's, who's doing what and when and, wait, Which exactly. Is, I So that was, I was like, am I stupid or is, like, am I not quite following which is a weird thing the to heist. feel when it's a very simple thing they're doing. Yes. Like when like it's very clear what they're they're setting out to do and yeah. what the goal is, right? Like yeah. that's not confusing, but then like the way it happens There was like, like a well, there's a part and I was like, "Wait, but then when and then what?" So yeah. yeah so that was know, odd, I thought. Needed a little I like, like to watch, tightening. I, I might try to squeeze in another viewing of it before it goes away on HBO, but um, we'll see how that happens. I've got It would be movies. interesting to watch it again now that you like know the sh the things. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, for as sure. most movies are. For sure. Yeah. Would you recommend it, Tyler? I mean, I would. I think yeah. it's worth the experience. Yeah. I and I, I love Keanu Reeves, I, Anybody too. who says it's bad is, I don't know, I feel like they're letting certain expectations hinder their response. I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think you, I don't think you could objectively say that it's bad. I think that it's choosing to do some things that maybe a lot of people won't like. What did and you, that's fine. What did you think of uh, Neil Patrick Harris? Um, I really... Did he fit in the world? Did it seem odd to have him in there it's a little odd because he's doing a, he's doing a certain very neil patrick harris thing mm -hmm. um that he does in other movies that i like in general it's just that a lot of the movie ends up hinging on a lot of what he says i mm -hmm. guess and so i liked it it wasn't 
uh, maybe I don't know. It's one of those. I'd have to watch the, the aspect again. I like his character. I like what he's saying, but I'm wondering if there was it's a like little strangeness just... with his character resolution as well. It was like, bit, wait, yeah. what? What is who? What? Oh, what's okay? Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, and it's just a little bit too. Yeah, it just has a little bit of that. I don't know how to describe it. That Neil Patrick Harris is. He's got a delivery that is very can be very funny. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where it's coming from. And if you're very if you're familiar with all of his comedic work and you like that, it is sometimes hard to kind of enter into something that's not necessarily trying to be comedic. Yeah, I agree. It was a little I was like, he's quite he's not 100 percent fitting in to this world. Yeah. We're, and I don't think that's always a problem for him because I think like he shows up in Gone Girl and there's doesn't have that problem in that movie, really. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think that's it's not necessarily I, I like I said, I like what he's doing. It's just that it's. It is so pitched in the way that we're familiar with him. Like, it's not, it's kind of like Barney Stinson in The Matrix a little bit, mm-hmm. which is just a, it's just a little off. And you're like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? I kind of like it, but I don't know if it like yeah. this tone. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Left me a little unsettled. Uh-huh. But overall, I, I would watch it again with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The next one yeah. we watched was the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's latest and greatest. Yeah. So this is one that is gotten a lot of reviews that are basically just like well you know it's Wes Anderson it's very much it's too much Wes Anderson it's not as good as some of his other ones blah 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 and I I I am of the mind that like too much Wes Anderson that critique doesn't make sense to me it's like he is Wes Anderson there's no way to make it too Wes Anderson if you are Wes Anderson making a Wes Anderson movie that is not a critique mm-hmm. that is just like making a statement of what the movie is right mm-hmm. um I've seen it twice I love it I think it is but I'm I mean I am a I'm a like a life aquatic loving Homer for Wes Anderson. I like all yeah. of his movies a lot, right? Yeah, like, you're, I, you're a little biased. I don't love Darjeeling Limited, and that's pretty much where my like mixed feelings on his movies are, right? You so, don't, you didn't like that one. It's okay. It's definitely his weakest movie. Is I that think. the train one? Yeah. Um, but I like Life Aquatic, which is like one that a lot of people don't like. So anyway, what about Fantastic I, Mr. Fox. Yeah, I like all those. <laughs> I like all those a lot. This is, you know, it's three, kind of like four stories, really. One's really short, but then there's um, these three kind of stories, and it's modeled after, like, The New Yorker. It's a bunch of journalists going out, and it's just, like, stacked with people. I mean, actors come in. Edward Norton is in this for, like, I don't know, 45 seconds. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's, like, a big... That's a thing that happens all over this movie. And it's very busy and fast. Mm-hmm. And it's packed. Every image is packed with packed with production design. He built, seemingly built a new set for every shot of the movie. Seems like it. And so it's dense. And I, I think that um, if you're watching it one time, like I think you did, mm-hmm. like it's just a little overwhelming. It, like the stories go fast. And it's like it's hard to necessarily connect with what's going on. Um, I liked a lot of it the first time I saw it, but man, I I loved it even more the second time just because some of the emotional beats hit a little harder because you're aware of it. Um, I just I think it's really great. I, I think it's just as good as any of the other movies, really. And I, I appreciate the the choice of, of of kind of making this story and having it be about. You know, it's about... I don't read The New Yorker. I mean, I've read New Yorker articles, but I'm, like, a regular reader. Yeah, I don't um, know the history or, like, the overall but style. But it's very much modeled after that, and, and, like, the Jeffrey Wright character is a is based on, a you know, a, a, a writer that I'm familiar with. So the other two, not so much, but... Um, yeah, it is uh, it, it, someone who's, who's worked in newspaper. It has a little bit of charm in that regard, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just... I, I, and I am just someone who... 
uh, again, I don't understand this too much, Wes Anderson. Like, there, there's literally no one else that does movies like that, like makes movies like this. That's a like stupid this. criticism. Yeah. And I and I, I I just I can marvel at that work being done. And maybe the story doesn't connect with you. And I, that's a fair discussion. But to me, like, it's already starting off on such a huge like leg up from other people because it's just so beautifully made. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's just marvelous to look at. Um, but I, I liked the stories on this. I think that two of the three main stories are great, and then I think the middle one is good. Mm-hmm. So, But the other two are great. So, And the little fourth one with Owen Wilson, I think, is a terrific uh, two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, yeah. yeah. Overall, I really liked it. It is very fast-paced. Um, and now as you're just talking and I was thinking about like, yeah, you don't really get to like linger in, in the story. But then I was just thinking, well, this is supposed to be like a story about journalists and it's almost matching the, like the style of like when a journalist is writing a story, you, they, they don't linger. They gotta like, this is the story. This Mm -hmm. is what happened. Here's it. And then that's it. It's not like, so it's like almost every scene is like a sentence in their story. And yeah, you don't get to linger because you're you're not it's not telling like this is all the things that the journalist experienced. It's like, here's mm. the story. And it's like, obviously, it's going to sort of cut some of the like lingering moments out because it's just like, here it is beginning to end and the end. And this movie really, you know, it's it's this huge mix of um, the black and white to color, um, different kind of shot styles and camera. And it's all. Like if you watch it and you have this idea of it being like reading this magazine, all of it makes sense, and it's mm-hmm. and it, it is kind of amazing how mm-hmm. well it makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, and then I think Jeff, God, I think Jeffrey Wright is like your is the standout. Like his thing is the last story, but he what he's doing is he kind of gets like two of the four big emotional beats, and man, it's so good. He's just awesome in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like, I just especially loved everything he was doing in this, so. I know the middle story with uh, Francis. Francis McDermott, yeah. Was like your your less favorite, but for some it's, reason as I'm thinking about the movie, her story is the one that kind of sticks out well, to me. It's the most hectic, I think, and maybe that's why. I think even like another another time through would be better for that. It's just very hectic. I like what's going on in it. I actually mm-hmm. think Timothy Chalamet is very good in this kind of like he's playing like this faux revolutionary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and that dynamic against francis mcdermott who's reporting on him and and this other these other kids yeah. is interesting and i super fun. liked there's like a handful of scenes where like she makes comments of like oh i shouldn't get involved like i need to maintain my journalistic credibility so she involved, and then she yeah. gets involved and I, I just find that interesting because hard to be a journalist on the sidelines and not get involved sometimes i think yeah, so it, that's just a very busy story, and there's a lot of people coming in and out of it a little bit. So, um, but I liked it. I would watch it again. And if you don't like Wes Anderson, why are you watching a fucking Wes Anderson movie? Well, it's just—I mean, it is like I, I understand kind of like the well, I don't know, like the most Wes Anderson. But again, I don't really know. What I does think that just, even mean? I, I don't think, think so. I just think it's feverishly paced, and that's what. It, and then if you're Wes Anderson's doing that, it's going to be packed. Yeah, visually so, and yeah, yeah content-wise. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's one of my favorites of the year. Anyway. Okay, recommend. Yeah. The next one we watched um, with the kids was uh, on Netflix. Uh, no, it was on like Disney Plus or HBO. They're, they're, it's on both, maybe. Okay, it's called Ron's Gone Wrong. This came out in October, and it was like a Disney animated movie, but it was like I, it wasn't Disney before. They when they acquired Fox, I think they purchased oh. it. Um, it bombed like everything that wasn't uh, well, like everything it wasn't a superhero movie this year, last mm-hmm. year. Um, I was thinking it was going to be bad, mm-hmm. um, and it was actually pretty solid. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cute. It's about um, this, every, it's a kind of a world where everybody has like this little personal robot friend. It's very much just like a stand-in for an iPhone, obviously. It's just like a robot, and this kid who 
his parents or his dad is not really into like giving him one ends up getting one that's kind of like <laughs> fell off a truck and he's a little bit off yeah he like bought it in a in an alley <laughs> um and so he's not like just like this people pleasing like i'm going to cater my programming to your interests and your friend group i'm gonna have my own kind of personality mm-hmm. and the movie is kind of about like well that's not such a bad thing to have uh someone who's different being kind of your companion your friend and and all that. Anyway, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's Zach Galifianakis who's the voice of, of Ron. Um, it's it's pretty solid. Our kids enjoyed it. I thought it was. Uh, it, I, I I was surprised that when we started, I was like, oh god, this is not gonna be anything. But um, yeah, it's 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 got a good enough message. It's fun. Uh, maybe it goes on a little bit too long, but um, I liked it. Yeah. What was your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I thought there were a lot of funny like moments and comments and things that happened. Uh, when I was just reading on IMDb, one of the quotes is like, a, a bird just commented on your face. And it's yes. like, a bird is booped. And it's funny. It's funny. Um, I thought it was a very sweet story about like making friends in middle school. And like, yeah, you know, I think that's a very relatable coming of age, the awkwardness of middle school and mm-hmm. add on the social pressures of it. I thought it was very like smart and entertaining and relatable and maybe had a few nuggets of lessons in there for the kids. I think what a bummer for it is, like, number one, it came out, Disney clearly didn't care about it because they didn't promote it as much and they dumped it in October or whatever. But um, it is, it's good, but it, it there is a little bit of, like, thematic through mind to the Mitchells versus the Machines from earlier this year, which is, uh, in my opinion, like, a great animated movie. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's not the same movie, but it, it kind of just, it, it addresses technology with youth a little bit. And I think that that is probably why it gets disregarded. I think it got disregarded, excuse me, right when it came out. Because it's like, well, we already got Mitchells versus the Machines this year. Mm-hmm. And so we don't need this or whatever. Especially since, I remember that like the, <laughs> this is how I knew it was an afterthought. Because in like August, we got our kids McDonald's mm-hmm. or whatever. And there was like Ron's Gone Wrong Happy Meal Toys. Or we were, I don't know, it was the next one up after whatever they got. Well, the movie didn't come out till October. So, like, they whatever yeah. plan was for the the toys weren't lined up with the... But they were like, ah, it's fine. Just put out the Ron's Gone Wrong toys in August, and then the movie can come out in two months, which is very weird. Yeah. It's weird that that happened. I know there's, like, obviously production issues, and we have pandemic-related problems, but I, that just is another statement of just, like, yeah, we don't care about this movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, overall, I would recommend it, though. This is a good one to watch with kids. What's next? Uh, Pig with, uh, you know, your your man. I've been trying to get you to watch this since I saw it in the summer. Yeah, um, you have. It's Nicolas Cage. It is on Hulu, so everybody should uh, watch it if you have Hulu. Is there a reason you whispered that? It barely showed up on the audio. Hulu. I just, every time I say Hulu, I either want to say like, like Hulu. Everyone should watch it on Hulu. 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 Hulu is like a whisper word, right? Anyway, it's on Hulu. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah. Nicholas Cage plays like this reclusive guy in the woods. He's got a pet pig who's like a, a truffle hunter. Someone takes his pig. Mm-hmm. And you think, uh, I think what people think it's going to be is like John Wick with a pig. I mean, I didn't uh, think that, but I was like, is this going to turn into Taken? Taken with a pig. With yeah. Nick Cage and a pig. Because, you know, his pig gets stolen, he's going to go look for it. So then you're like, oh, I this think, could, where is this going to go? I think the movie knows that it's doing that to you. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, they want you to think that, especially given, like, Nicolas Cage's more recent, like, output of, like, VOD titles and playing in, like, thriller world a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he is great. Uh, I, this is the second time watching it. I, I really enjoyed it just as much as the first time. I think I've probably talked about it on this podcast. So you do you have any more have... thoughts? It was very entertaining. It was 
it was uh, there were some funny moments and some sweet moments and yeah i liked it he's got this uh, restaurant scene where he tells talks to this uh, restaurant owner and it's amazing um i love nicholas cage i think this is uh his best performance in years but this is coming from person who thinks that like he hasn't really been like I, I don't know i still read these articles about like oh it's a big comeback or he saved his career with this i'm just like get out of here uh, he's not like yeah he's been doing a lot of directed video but like what he does in those movies versus like what bruce willis does in his vod movies is totally starkly different, different. he actually like, tries he's, he's trying, actually showing up he's doing an effort plus you're dirt you know and saying that you're disregarding mandy which is great and joe and, uh, yeah, no, I think he's been doing good work. It's just that, you know, some of the movies aren't great, and that's mm-hmm. fine, but he likes to work. And uh, I just was... And the, they did the... Um, recently, the, like, it's Variety or Hollywood Reporter Roundtable Actors thing. Um, it has him, it has Peter Dinklage, Andrew Garfield, uh, Simon Rex from Red Rocket, and uh, Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. Um, man, he uh, just steals the show there too he just has he just becomes like the the grand steward of that conversation and is so entertaining so i would recommend that especially if you've seen pig but maybe not if you just go to appreciate nicholas cage he's totally totally. he's a great actor one thing i liked about pig was this uh like this truffle scene set in portland where it's like this whole world of like the competitive nature of truffles in the restaurant industry and who's selling it and who's making money and i'm just like part of me is very curious and wants to like google this and be like is this real but there's so many details it's like it has to be real to be yeah, and I think some of the people that don't like it, I think like, oh, this movie's ridiculous in terms of some of the details of that. Uh-huh. And I don't, I honestly don't mind it because of the specificity of it. It's so specific uh-huh. that I don't even. So part of me, when it's something is that specific, I'm like, man, that seems like there would be something that like would be like that, and maybe not to the degree that this is, but yeah. like, but still, like, I appreciate the the direction of like doing doing something so specific and saying like this is a detail of this world, mm-hmm. even if it's not. I like that that it. It, like the movie is trying to play it like there is mm-hmm. and so yeah i i almost don't care but yeah you wonder a little bit and and all the portland stuff i thought was just like because they're like driving around portland and yeah. they're popping into different restaurants and places i thought that was cool yeah just because we are also inland northwesterners or, so yeah, i liked West, it northwesterners or whatever yeah mm-hmm. anyway anyway pig was great okay so then an offshoot of that is i finally watched uh nicholas cage's he's got a few this year but uh, this one is on like AMC Plus, which we currently have because of a ninety-nine cent promotion. But anyway, <laughs> it's called Prisoners of the Ghostland. This is an insane Nicolas Cage movie um, where he is. It's kind of like it's set in like an apocalyptic world, kind of. Um, he's there's a a woman who's been kidnapped or or has gone missing. And he's a criminal, and so he gets recruited by like the the serf or the lord of the of the town, and they strap a bomb to his arms and his balls and his neck, and he's got to go out and uh, go face the the apocalyptic maybe mutants that are out there. What the fuck? It's insane premise, right? It is not as um, wild. It doesn't. It's not as wild as you would think. Mm. Like it is, but it doesn't like it doesn't have like a feverish pace. Not, there's not a lot of crazy shit going on until kind of the uh, end. Um, and so that in that regard, it's not like it, it isn't maybe necessarily as insane as you want it to be, given all the crazy stuff that goes on uh, or that's set up. But um, I don't know. He he's got a few uh, uh, gem uh, comments and and lines of dialogue, and you know. 
couple of those bombs go off and that's funny and, and crazy and yeah I mean it, it, it's definitely more in like that VOD realm for him but mm-hmm. um, but you know as a Nicolas Cage uh, completionist as I am I think it's pretty solid um, I don't know it's watchable because he's watchable in it so yeah it's very weird okay. <laughs> it's kind of like part samurai movie part western part apocalyptic Mad Max kind of thing um, not as action heavy as all that describes though and I think that's what maybe you watch and be like well what is this and mm-hmm. it kind of like cuts when you think something like action is going to happen a few times and that's a little bit like oh I would have maybe liked to see them have a little fight here or whatever but mm-hmm. that's okay it does it gives it to you in the end so interesting prisoners of the ghost land Prisoners of the Ghostland on AMC Plus, the streaming service that everybody has. Oh my goodness! Um, just to circle back on Pig. Yeah. I just read this New York Times article. Okay. That was like talking about like it, how much is that pig worth? Do people use pigs? And uh, according to you know like the the organization of truffle hunting people, mm-hmm. um, pigs aren't really used because they're they're known for like dis- eating or like destroying the truffles as they find them. Mm-hmm. And this one organization only like knows of like one good truffle hunting pig in like Victoria, you know, whatever. In, well, in Canada, but there are dogs, and so they use dogs who are really good at sniffing. And apparently, the world of truffle hunting is so competitive that competitors and rivals will murder each other's dogs and poison them. And upwards, according to this uh, author of the Truffle Underground book, Ryan Jacobs, he says we're talking upward of a hundred dogs in a single season that are poisoned. There's a there's a documentary called The Truffle Hunters that's mm-hmm. available if you have stars or you can rent it and it is very much about like people that that do that work and they use dogs yeah um, sounds intense. but anyway like the pig aspect of that i don't know that doesn't necessarily like uh break the break the movie no no it not at all to, because yeah. what he's saying is like i can't find another pig to do this right yeah exactly like yeah. the, well, the amount then, of time it would take to train the pig right. and then you know but i mean i think like it doesn't it's not giving much away to, to say that like nicholas cage cares about the pig more yeah. than his ability to hunt exactly for as you would any pet that you spend a lot of time with yeah so anyway okay yeah Nicholas Cage. Then you also watched on Netflix, as with everybody in America, apparently, the the uh, great movie psh, called Don't <laughs> Look Up. And I'll tell you what. I saw the trailer for yeah. this. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not having it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you watched it. And then you were making a couple comments. So I watched a couple of the scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me about it, Tyler. Well, I mean, listen, I am... It's a you know it's a movie where an asteroid's about to hit the Earth and uh, scientists played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are unable to uh, convince uh, a very uh, image conscious president to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Adam McKay who made The Big Short um, and Vice and before that those Will Ferrell comedies and you know I it is very much and he said it's very much just an allegory for climate change. I think it probably turns out to be a somewhat better connective tissue to the coronavirus pandemic, actually. Oh. Like, I think the metaphor yeah. me- makes more sense as something that wasn't planned, like, because the movie was in development before that happened, sure. right? Mm-hmm. But it actually has a better application to um, to that than it does to climate change, I I would say. And listen, like, I, like, politically, 
uh, you know, I think climate change is a, is a big problem. I think it's obviously real. I think that we are ruining the earth and that we are uh, making decisions that are going to ruin the planet for our not only our children, but like maybe, yeah, we're going to destroy the planet. We are doing that and we're not doing anything about it, right? Like I agree with the message um, and I understand the, the satire of it. I personally found the satire to be very obvious and not very funny you have Meryl Streep playing a uh like a she's very much like it's very apparent what her and Jonah Hill are doing they're Mm -hmm. playing Trump and they're playing Trump's kids right Mm -hmm. and it is not to me I don't know living in that world the last several years to me not very funny um I think the way that the media is portrayed is um uh, not I, again. I, I I think that the the connection and what it's trying to say is pretty obvious. And they're like, oh, well, we're you know we're too distracted by TikTok and entertainment news to care about real issues. And I was like, okay, great. Like, yes, like mm-hmm. fine, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that's true. But like to me, is that like a, a funny commentary? No, I think that's a very obvious uh, point to me. It's not very smart. Or clever. I thought the movie works pretty well when it is about uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio playing scientists who are struggling against a machine to do something good, right about it. Mm-hmm. He DiCaprio has a subplot involving Kate Blanchett that I think doesn't work because it doesn't doesn't. I like Kate Blanchett; she's always good. But again, it's not relevant to the rest of the movie. It's two and a half hours. Ugh, Mark, why is it so long? Mark Rylance comes in and plays like this tech guru character that is pitched like a cartoon. Again, it's very obvious to see the connections. It's very obvious to point out how this is very real and how something like this could happen and that's terrible uh but like it's to me it's just not a, a it's not like it's trying for humor and it's not working jonah hill is someone i love and it can be very funny but i think everything that he does is he needs to be directed well mm-hmm. um the movie has a really great uh final like 20 minutes uh of, of the main characters doing something thoughtful timothy chalamet comes in and like crushes a few minutes of a movie again i don't i'm not like a chalamet guy but like the last two things that i've seen him in have been very like i've liked what he's been doing they're very different mm-hmm. and so i don't i don't hate the movie i and i listen i understand i guess i'm i guess i'm happy that it's popular i don't know like i'm glad people are watching it because like the discussion is important i guess in terms of climate change and and all of that, I just, to me, it doesn't seem like it's a very good movie. Mm-hmm. So it'll probably get nominated for Best Picture, and that's fine. I just, I don't know. Like, whatever Adam McKay's doing with his quote-unquote satire, I find to be very obvious and not very funny. Kind of like how I didn't like Vice. I think it's a little better than Vice. Vice was uh, uh, was tough. Ugh, yeah. Um, but it's not as good. I like The Big Short. I think this movie is miles away from the level of achievement there i just i think it's messy and overlong and and not particularly funny that's me a lot of people love it yeah <laughs> i could tell from what i saw that a lot of people love it Are and they, really have, why and you have adam mckay going out there basically like going after critics saying like well if you don't like it you don't get the point or you're not you're not happy getting critiqued by uh, you don't you don't like the media being criticized. I've seen a lot of that commentary. It's like as someone who works in the media, like I have no problem. Like the media is fucked. I get that. Like especially mass media. Like yeah, we have so many problems. Like I don't have a problem when you criticize that. Like I'll criticize it to the end of the time. So to like for him to I don't know, and that's his prerogative, I guess, to like defend his movie. But to me, like that's missing the point of what people are saying. Why your movie doesn't work? Uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care about that critique. That's fine. I just think that if you're gonna make a, a comedy about that, then it should be funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the movie when the movie's not trying to be a comedy, I think it's much better. 
when it's about like an asteroid that's about to destroy everybody on the planet and like people like Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio are genuinely worried about that and upset, then it's kind of a good drama. Mm-hmm. And, but it, yeah, I don't know. It's just, too much. It's just, it's a long, long movie. I don't need that shit in my life. And it's got like two atrocious like post credit scenes too. Gross. Oh, I don't God. even want to hear about it. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, it's not, a, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I just, I think it's supremely overrated. All right. Keeping in mind that climate change is real. Yes, we all know that. We don't need to be punched <laughs> in the face with it with obnoxious shit that we already see in real life. Like, movies are supposed to be an escape, not just, like, obnoxious reminders well, of how terrible things are. I don't, I mean, I don't always agree with that, but um, in When terms it's of, an entertainment-driven movie, it's it should to, actually again, fucking I, entertain me. There are some people that say it's very entertaining. I don't know. I don't... I people who have, like, way. no sense of comedy. Well, I, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, no, I don't need to even see that to provide that criticism. Well, you're making a criticism without even watching it. Look at you. Yeah, look at me Ooh, on my fucking. You're on your little soap dish. Yeah, soap, soap dish. dish. That's about right. <laughs> so you watched a few others. Did I really? Yeah, we're 40 minutes in. You want to keep going? <laughs> it's okay, we watched Wizard of Oz like 10 days ago. Uh, what was it? Being the Ricardos. Oh yeah, I don't know. It was uh, Aaron Sorkin's new movie. It's about Lucille Ball and uh, Desi Arnaz on the set of I Love Lucy at a pivotal juncture. Nicole Kidman's very good. Javier Bardem's very good. The supporting cast is very good. It is very or Aaron Sorkin-y. And I like, I generally like Aaron Sorkin titles. I feel like this one was structured like a West Wing episode or probably closer to more like a Studio 60 on Sunset Strip episode. Like the structure of it, I found to be very distracting. Like it was, it's utilizing flashbacks and a talking head element. And it just feels a little unfocused and trying to do a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. Um, it's fine. I think it's got, it's well acted. It's got some, uh, smart writing about it, but to me, it doesn't come together as much as some of his other projects. So that's me on being the Ricardos. Not much to say that that's on Amazon prime. Your mileage will vary, I guess, if you like, uh, if you want to learn more about, I mean, it's a little bit goose too. Like it's based on this, you know, it's obviously based on the real life people, but like, during like a very turbulent time in their marriage and their relationship during the show. But I mean, you can tell it's goosed up uh, plot wise. It's not necessarily playing fair with the facts a little bit, which is fine. It's just, it just feels that way when you mm-hmm. watch it. And so you just, it doesn't feel as convincing, I guess. So it's fine. I didn't hate it, but it was okay. It's no West Wing. No. And then you watch the rescue. Oh, the rescue is one of the well. It was considered kind of be like maybe the front runner at the documentary category of the Oscars. I think Summer of Soul is really the real um, front runner, which I've talked about in previous. That's the Questlove documentary about the music concert. This is the, the rescue, which is about um, the kids in the mine that were trapped in Chile, right? Um, and they had to get them out with a, and it's an incredible true story. Um, it's from the people that made Free Solo, a movie that I uh, don't love. That won <laughs> best documentary a couple of years ago. That guy is very excited about climbing this mountain. And um, <laughs> this is very good. I, it, it's um, compelling, but I mean, I kind of knew the story, so it wasn't like, I don't know. It, it, it's a little bit. I don't know. It was good. I it, I didn't find it to be like uh, revelatory or. It uses some, uh, you know, actual footage of what was going on, and then they recreated um, some of the diving elements to, with the people, which is I think is cool that they kind of use it to kind of try to dramatize what they had to do and where they had to swim, right? So mm-hmm. some of that has been made to kind of provide connected pieces. And I don't mind they did that at all. I think that actually helps the narrative a little bit. It's just that as someone who, I, like a lot of people who followed that when it happened, it's like, okay, well, I, I know this story, so it's not as compelling as 
as I mean, it's it's incredible. But um, but yeah, anyway, it was okay. That's on Disney Plus now though, so it has a truly atrocious end credit song. Though I will say that awful, like one of the worst like end credit songs I've ever heard. It is just like. It's not this, but it's close to being like, we were in a cave, but now we're saved. <laughs> Saving people is good. Like, that's not the song, but it's basically the song. Anyway. Oh, and then the last thing I'll say, it's mm-hmm. not Christmas time anymore. And I don't know if you can, this is going to be easy to watch, but I think it's good for after Christmas, like in January. Perfect viewing. Uh, it's called A Cluster Funk mm-hmm. uh, Christmas. I believe it was on Comedy Central. I just used the Comedy Central app. It wasn't on like Paramount Plus. It's weird. I don't know why it wasn't there because that's like all connected, right? But it is this like Hallmark Christmas movie, but it's written by Rachel Dratch and Anna Gasteyer, like SNL fame. They play like these uh, women that run like this old inn, and then there's a romance between two younger characters. And that like, uh, but it's play- very much like playing on the tropes of all those Hallmark Christmas movies, and um, it is occasionally very funny, mm-hmm. and it kind of deflates. As someone who watches some of those Christmas movies and thinks that they are awful, but still some for some reason watches them anyway, um, it's very amusing. So that's a good thing to kind of wipe a palate of a holiday viewing with if it's if it's available. I have no idea if you can still watch it on Comedy Central. But it was like not. I'm surprised. Like they could have definitely marketed that a little bit more. It would have been uh, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it. That's it. Are yeah. you sure? You yeah. said there was like 18 more things you wanted. No, nah, save them. <laughs> we that we'll was save for a lot. Sandy New Year. Okay, so just to quickly recap. Yeah. Encanto. Watch it. Disney Plus. The Matrix Resurrections. Watch it. HBO. Uh, the French Dispatch. Watch it. VOD Blu-ray. Ron's Gone Wrong. Watch Disney it. Disney or HBO. Pig, watch it. Hulu. Prisoners of the Ghostland. Uh, AMC Plus. Watch it. <laughs> it's fine. Don't look up. Don't watch it. Yeah, people already watched it. Doesn't matter. Being the Ricardos. Amazon Prime. The Rescue. Disney Plus. A Cluster Funk Christmas. Comedy Central app, maybe. <laughs> oh my God. All right, that was a plethora of uh, stuff. That's good because we watched Wizard of Oz a while ago, so I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's talk about The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, okay, let's do it. What do you want to start with, my friend? Well, did you write what you remember about it? Because uh, it's weird, right? I mean, we obviously... That's a that's a segment that we do. That is we, a segment that we, we do. We write what we remember. Um, I, even I didn't do it. <laughs> then I definitely didn't do it. If you didn't do it, then I 100% didn't. So that's a good segment. Good job, us. I mean, who doesn't remember The Wizard of Oz? Do you have a memory of when you first watched it? No, I just remember, you know, because this is an old movie, it mm-hmm. falls into the same category in my childhood watching, uh, you know, perspective of uh, My Fair Lady and The Sound of Music and The Wizard of Oz. These were three movies that, like, my sister Jill and my aunts liked to watch. And mm-hmm. so we would watch them, but I didn't always love them. Okay. Um, and it's funny because there's a point in the movie where it's clearly the point where, like, well, as a child, this is where I checked out. This is where I like, went off to go do something else. So <laughs> right, I was like, yeah. I don't, I'm not as familiar with this. Like, I am familiar like with a big chunk of it. Mm-hmm. But then there's like a whole section. I'm like, either it's because it's it's not that good. Or two, <laughs> I like step out and then I come back in for the end of the movie. Well, yeah, I think this is interesting because I think what's going on here is that there are certain, The Wizard of Oz is iconic mm-hmm. and it has been for a long time. And there are certain 
pieces of it and components that they are very up. familiar that have been used yeah. and clipped and used for if you've and ever watched an Oscar in, ceremony yeah. or mm-hmm. it's been referenced on this and that and there are there are parts of the movie that do that right mm-hmm. and then there are the parts in between and if you are not someone who have watched who's watched the movie like a bunch that's where you'd be like oh yeah this is the part before they even get to the get to the uh, the city or where they get to Oz and okay I don't remember this very well mm-hmm. or I don't remember these tree people what's going on here yeah um so there's that going on, I think. Um, for me, uh, this is why it was kind of an interesting discussion point for us to do this episode. Number one, you were like seemingly kind of like watching it in the background because you had siblings or aunts watching it, right? Mm-hmm. Or you were not as tuned into it as maybe you, your older uh, family Self. members would. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, contrast that with me, I feel I don't have a specific memory. But I definitely feel like I'm very familiar with Wizard of Oz, the clips of it and all of that. But I don't think I watched this movie in full until like to end. Yeah. until like maybe high school. And that is not the best time to watch the Wizard of Oz. No, you're going to be like, fart. You know, a teenager is going to want to fart on the Wizard of Oz. But, you know, as a, as a teenager who is like heavy into movies and being like into classic movies and things like that, like I'm not necessarily the wrong audience for it. Mm-hmm. I just think that The Wizard of Oz specifically is very much a movie that grabs you when you're a child, I think. And so if you're past the point of like that, it, it becomes harder to latch onto it at that point. I think mm-hmm. you can maybe latch onto it as an adult um, in other ways. But um, for me, I think that because for the longest time I had this attitude of, I, I think it's my one of my mom's favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um and I just feel like, eh, I don't think I like Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you, I remember you have said that to me. You have made that comment before, and I'm like, what? Really? And, I mean, yeah, but, like, it's Wizard of Oz. Right. And then, so then that goes to the discussion point of, like, are there movies that are just, like, above people saying they like them or not? Like, we can't, we're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Star Wars is maybe one uh, that people think that that is the case with. I think Wizard of Oz is. I think... Um, what are other ones? I, I mean, to me it's Jurassic Park, but whatever. Uh, no, I, I, I think Gone with the Wind has a little bit of yeah. this. It's almost better to say you've never seen Gone with the Wind, although now, well, anyway, that there's a there's a you know, uh, a, a racism and plantation element of Gone with the Wind that uh, complicates that a little bit more. But um, but uh, speaking of Gone with the Wind, it it did beat out The Wizard of Oz for Best Picture. Oscar that year. Well, and that's what those movies are intrinsically tied together because the director, Victor Fleming, uh, Mm -hmm. worked on this and then basically left late in the production to go save Gone with the Wind's Troubled production. Mm -hmm. So he's actually a director on both of those movies. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're they're just kind of tied together and they're, you know, they're big swing movies. Both of them for the, you know, for 1939, Mm -hmm. uh, they're expensive. Mm -hmm. They are movies that are could they could destroy a studio if they don't properly hit um or even hit enough um yeah so that's fascinating about it but i don't it just has always been that movie where you know you can't say that you it's almost better to say you you didn't see wizard of oz versus saying like oh i don't like the wizard of oz it's kind of one of those movies it's so iconic it's so ingrained in the culture into cinema too like into movies like that's a movie like that's a a a a pin in in movies because it was the the big you know color reveal of you know going from black and white into color the technicolor aspect so it's just one of those things that you know you're you can get in trouble for saying you don't like it 
So that's why I thought we should do it. And I thought, like, maybe I can just at the end of this say, like, I don't like the Wizard of Oz. So let's do a little high stats. A little high stats. We'll dive in some more. Okay, The Wizard of Oz is a rated G movie, clocks in at 1 hour and 42 minutes. It came out uh, at some point in 1939. (laughs) Nice. I've got a release date here, August 25th, 1939. It has an estimated budget of 2.8. Eight million dollars. What would that be in today's money dollars? A lot. lot. It was really, 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 really expensive because, right, it was one of the first Technicolor movies, like the first. Yeah, yeah. So that was very, very, very. What year is Snow White and the Seven Jordan, which was color but animated, obviously? Um, And this one was trying to kind of be a a, an answer back to that. It's you know, it's trying to appeal to families and children for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, 1937 was Snow White. Yeah. So there's that going on as well. this movie stars some of your favorite people. <laughs> Who are those? Judy Garland is Dorothy. Sure. Frank Morgan is the wizard. Or and the old guy uh-huh. in the beginning, sure. Ray Bulger is the scarecrow. And some other guy. Jack Haley is Tin Man. Well, yeah. He was the main Tin Man, but there was another Tin Man before that. He didn't get to about. be it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Bert Lair is the Cowardly Lion. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Margaret Hamilton is Miss Gulch in The Wicked Witch of the West. Yep. And Billy Burke as Glinda. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it's based on the L. Frank Baum story, um, which has, you know, been around forever. And we've had countless, you know, variations of The Wizard of Oz, um, you know, sequel stories based on those books. We've had, you know, obviously the Wicked musical of, you know, more recently. Not more it's been That's 30 years old or 20 years old itself. But, um yeah, I mean, what is it that made the... Is it just the Technicolor thing? Is it the music? Is it the fantasy element? What do you think, if you had to boil it down, why it endured versus other things? Well, it's a very good popular story book, right? So, like, it was already, like, in the culture. Like, kids right. were, had read this book. Families yeah. had read this book. So, families already, like, knew about The Wizard of Oz. Right. So, then to see, like, something that you really, really love um, on film, I think was must have been an incredible experience. And then, yeah, the first use of Technicolor, how exciting. Yeah. And I think that they pulled off some of the magical elements um, really well for 1939. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and um, Judy Garland is just you know she was a great casting. I know that when um, was it Disney that wanted the movie, but MGM owned the rights to the book. mm -hmm. Um, they had wanted Shirley Temple, and I think this would have been a very different movie with Shirley Temple. How old has Shirley Temple been? Younger? Uh, Let's see, Shirley Temple birth. (laughs) Um, because she was really young. I mean, and she, you know, Shirley Temple was born in. Hold, uh, 1928. So she would have only been like 11. And she put a, definitely but this, played her down to yeah. be younger looking. And I think and... Dorothy in the book, I'd have to look it up because I haven't read the books, is young. To the point where like when Judy Garland was playing her, they like tried to like squeeze her into yeah. corset to like make her not look so like mature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say that um, watching it this time, uh, I, I it kind of confirmed my feeling that I my favorite parts of this movie are the ones in black and white um I really like I well like like a lot of people I I think the best song in the movie is Somewhere of the Rainbow um a a song that was almost cut from the movie it sounds like because they wanted to get the movie to Oz faster right um but that is by far the best song it it just is um 
lovely. Um, I love Toto as a character, and he's like, you know, shaking, shaking hands in the beginning part of this movie. Yeah, he's the star. And of the like, movie. you know, he's getting in trouble with Miss Gulch, and he's got to hop out of the hop out of the bike, and yeah, you're just getting a lot of Toto action. Whereas, yeah, Toto's along for the ride, but it, it, you know, he's a little bit of an afterthought when it gets to Colorland, right? Um, to color land. Yeah. And then um and then I I think that the tornado looks amazing for 1939 still looks great. Like mm-hmm. the way that they use it in the background of some shots when she's running up to the house is so cool. Like it looks amazing. Like okay, some of the stuff where she's like in the house and she's looking out the window and there's people floating around and there's cows like mm-hmm. uh like in Twister. We got cows. Definitely the reference Twister was definitely like throwing those in there for fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a little bit like dreamlike and cartoonish, but like and that's fine. I like that fine, but I just I thought that the actual work of the tornado being a threat mm-hmm. was really really cool and it just pays off really well. But yeah, they did that really well for the time. I like and I kind of forgot that this lady wants to just straight up murder this dog. And get yeah, rid of she's it. like <laughs> petitioned the sheriff and has basically gotten an order from the county sheriff to take the dog away and put it down. And I have for a biting ma- her. And I have a major issue with this movie in that it this does not get resolved. They do not circle back no, to this because at she all. goes back. It's no place like home, but she forget like it's no place like home. But like they really want because yeah, the dog gets out, but they know that like she's either going to come back for the dog or like I need to know like what the fate of this dog is. Is because- the lady dead? Maybe she died in the tornado. Like did they even circle back to her at all? No, I don't think so. She died in the tornado. That's what happened. I hope so. God, that's stupid lady. She really showed her on a bike in the tornado, but that seems like it's dream, dream, you know, the dreamlike aspect of it, right? Yes. So yeah, I have a big issue because I'm really worried about Toto at the end of this movie. Maybe the I mean, book explains it. I mean, there are it, but... like 13 um, sequels that Frank Baum wrote. And does Toto appear in them? I haven't read them, so I can't tell you that. Did you ever read The Wizard of Oz? No. Oh, okay. Um, I'm what not I... into old timey books. <laughs> They're too hard to read. You have to like. Like, it's a totally different language. Speaking of which, like, this movie opens up with, like, a text that's, like, weird. Like, Oh, I read it out loud to the kids, and I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) God, I gotta pull it up now. Talk about something else for a second. Uh, No, like, I remember that. I was like, I don't remember these words on the screen. This is weird, right? It's, uh, like, this, it's like a dedication, almost. Yeah, what do you call that? How can I, how can I Google that? I don't know. Opening title card for Wizard of Oz dedication. Title card. I wrote dedication. some of it down. I Oh, it's. It was weird. I, we got to read it. It's fucking weird. Okay, here it is. Great. Crazy under crazy credits on IMDb. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's it's just. I mean, at first I was reading this and I was like, okay, this is this is gonna be the young and for the faithful kids. of heart. For nearly forty years, this story has given faithful service to the young of heart. In time, capital T time, has been powerless to put its kindly philosophy out of fashion. What the does that even mean it just means like it's endured to those of you who have been faithful to it in return and to the young in heart we dedicate this picture it's like thanks for keeping the story alive okay so for nearly 40 years the story has given faithful service to the okay so it's like it's it's endured thank you for like making this movie happen so you've all loved this book for 40 years thanks for loving it here's the fucking movie yeah here you go yeah, it that's was, pretty much so it. So that language is just, I mean, and that was 1939 language. Now roll it back to when it was actually published. I'm not fucking reading that book. I'm not going to be able to. Yeah. Um, the, a movie like The Wizard of Oz is also hard because of its I- iconic nature. 1900 was in the fucking yeah. book was written. Like, and Jesus. This, this just reminds me because we were talking about the tornado. It's like this, someone says, it's a twister. It's a twister, which is very specific. The cowardly lions like laugh. Uh, I'll get you my pretty. Mm-hmm. Like all these things are so. There's no place like home. Like it. 
they're so ingrained that it's almost weird to watch it. It just mm-hmm. feels surreal that you're watching the thing where mm-hmm. all that's coming from because it just is so ingrained in like movie history and mm-hmm. the culture that mm-hmm. it just is it's just bizarre it's so bizarre and like i feel that way with casablanca a little bit and which is a you know great movie and uh yeah i mean it it, it, it <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird thing i even like star Wars because it's never exactly how you even though you've seen the clip a thousand times mm-hmm. it's never exactly that way that you remember it and it, like when it comes up but you know the casablanca played again is obviously a good example but like you know even the star wars iconic star wars lines like use the force or the force is with you all of it sounds it it always sounds a little bit different than the way that it gets culturally appropriated i guess so yeah it's just weird to watch these movies and but it's and so we watched it with our kids too and they don't they don't like they're young enough though Mm -hmm. which was i thought was interesting in that i think our oldest our 10 year old she Maybe recognize some things that have been like referenced in like a Barbie episode. And like her Dork Diaries <laughs> or books her dork talks diaries. about like the Wizard of Oz. But the other kids know. And so it was kind of interesting to watch them um, like experience it experience like it. on a fresh palette. None of them really like latched on to it. Uh, but that could just be the nature of it being an, an older movie and our kids are like, you know, CGI enhanced life is, is different. You know what I mean? They, they all stuck with it to the end. They stuck with it. Yeah. Which is impressive. Yeah. Um, and they like musicals. And so that helps that there's always music going right. And that, that is helpful. I will say we watched this on, do we watch on, if it is HBO max or Amazon prime, uh, the transfer is really good. It looks great. Like, um, the black and white looks really good. And then that Technicolor, like when it, you open the door, and you open up Technicolor World and then a few other things too. Just looks great. Like they've they've done an amazing job of like keeping this looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is that's the thing to remember. Like <laughs> sometimes when you watch things like this, especially like I said, I watched it a little bit later than like the impressionable age, and you know, it's so known that it's easy to disregard or forget like the impact or what it was, right? Like Imagine if you were in a theater in 1939 and it's this black and white movie and then the the door opens and it's like this explosion of color. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. That's a very like, powerful... To put yourself in mm-hmm. the, your shoes of that, that is just amazing. And it, that that's where you, you can't uh, just disregard even your feelings about it because what it meant was so much bigger than, like, your personal reaction to it. And so that is... I think that still gets is conveyed when you watch it. It's just like, wow, this was... Um, this was something. Um, yeah. It is weird to read about, like, um, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Because, yes, like... Yes, there's a lot. The magical I nature of imagine. it. You know, it, it's this iconic thing that we've known for, for 80 years. Um, but, like, you know, it had, like, several writers. Uh, Howard Mankiewicz was one of them, but then, like, he's not credited. And all these other people are on it. There's been, There was director changes. There was a first director that left. And then uh, Fleming came on. And then someone else had to finish it. Um... <laughs> the Tin Man uh, was uh, recorded songs. What his name is? Uh, um, the original Tin Man. Uh, um, is Buddy Epson? Is that right? Is well, I we have. The, I put it on the one document. If you want to look at that, the document. Jack Haley. Wait, hold on. Jack Haley is the the Tin Man in the movie, but then it, on the the paper on the document I made for you, I wrote the name down. I I know you. you did. Good job. I'm going over to it. Bloody daddy da. Jack Healy, Tin Man. Buddy Epson. Buddy got Epson. Poisoned. That's what I said. Yeah. So he was originally the uh, Tin Man. 
they put this shit on him that literally poisoned him. Uh, Bobby nearly... Epson of the Beverly Hillbillies yeah. fame was cast as a Tin Man, but he had to bow out. Like he went, like some accounts say that he was in critical condition. Yeah, it poisoned him. The like, silver paint poisoned him. And then, like when they hired Jack Healy, so they he had done some recordings. So some of his vocals are still in the movie from like when they did like group recordings of some of the songs, right? But like it sounds like from what I was reading, they didn't exactly tell the new guy like why Buddy Epson left. It's like oh he had to drop out, and he like. Oh yeah, like why? Oh, it's like we well, almost poisoned him with this stuff. But no, yeah. we fixed it. Here, we put a little coating. The on aluminum this. or silver, whatever right. it was, ended up giving him a severe eye infection. Oh my god! The new guy, Jack Healy. It's uh, it's wild. Now there are a lot of um, you know, one thing that is kind of weird about the movie is that like you know the the cast gets credited in the opening titles, but then it's like and the Munchkins, which is just like this thing that's. In older movies, a lot of the people who were in movies or worked on movies weren't credited. Yeah. And this is like a cat. This is a large cast of people that show up here that are not really regarded in the credits of the movie. Yeah. They were cast um, a group of munchkins that they were called like the Singer Munchkins um, based on a man named something Singer. Okay. Um, And a lot of them, I was just reading, came from um, basically used the casting of the film to escape like Nazi Germany at the time. Really? Because, you know, it was the thirties and things were rolling and they used it as an opportunity to get out as, you know, undesirables. Um, Quote unquote. Yes. I was quoting. Thank you. Um, But then another like bizarre, not so fun fact is that the first director you talked about that left that did gone with the wind. Victor Fleming. He is like, he is at least um, disputed and, and not, um, like a pro-Nazi guy. Oh, really? Ooh, ew, 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 ew. That's yeah. disputed, but like one biographer was like, yeah, he definitely was like violently pro-Nazi. Oh, really? Yeah. But then someone else was like, nah, so who knows? The well, truth. there's a lot of facts. That's crazy. About this time period, you know, like I think um, last year when we talked about, you know, Mank, that movie came out about him writing um, Citizen Kane and how that movie is, you know, by most accounts nowadays is kind of a an exaggeration of like because that well that is a little bit about like diluting uh um orson wells's imprint on the story of citizen kane right he directed it as well but um that's a little bit about i mean but there's this long history of these movies where like because of the the nature of things how things were reported you know certain maggots certain newspapers were in the bag for certain studios There's not a lot of like, and then, you know, people aren't being credited enough or people are being paid as ghostwriters or, or, and, and actors are, you know, in they're, they're contracted by the studio that they, you know, they work for the studio, they work on multiple projects. A lot of the real, the real story is always just a little bit like muddled, like yeah. of how all this stuff happened versus now. I mean, God, you can't. We yeah. have such immediate access to information. Like, we did this thing this year. It's just so weird to think about all that in this movie coming out. Or, like, Psycho hiding its twist. Wait, what do you, we did this thing this year? What are you talking about? I'm getting to it, sorry. Okay. But no, like, The Wizard of Oz comes out and, like, it, you know, it's this it's this phenomenon to audiences because they're discovering it as they go to the theater, right? Mm-hmm. Or Psycho, where, you know, they purposely hid the twist of Psycho and yes. they wouldn't let people go. Yeah. And now we live in a world where, like, the number one movie last year was a movie where everybody... Spider-Man. Okay. And I don't mean to spoil... I'm not going to spoil Spider-Man directly, but I will just say, like, everybody knew. All the people that cared about Spider-Man had an idea about what was going to happen in the third act of this new Spider-Man movie. But everybody pretended in the productions, like, ah, that's not happening. Wait, have I seen this movie? No, you haven't. Oh, does, like, Mary Jane die or something? Stop it. (laughs) No. Did I just guess it? No. No, 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 no. No, we've talked about this, but, like, I'm just dancing around. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, no, but every, like it's a thing that anybody that cares about Spider-Man knows. You can the just thing Google Spider-Man. But we're all phone. pretending yeah. that we're we don't know, or we don't want to be spoiled, and that's part of the reason why it makes so much money. Because I don't want people spoiling it, even though we all know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just a totally different thing where we know the third week. We we know even if you don't know, you basically know, know the third act of. Do Spider-Man I? I don't know what the third act of Spider-Man is. Yes, you do. Is. It's fine. You you you've seen the if you see yes yes you do. I, that's the thing. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be delightfully surprised. People denying that the certain things are going to happen, or they're in it or not in it, and then they're you know, but like, oh no, we didn't do that. You know what, Tyler? Like although, although thing. Tyler, I will say you live in a slightly different world no, than like the general audience. That's not true. No, I, this is what I will say. I'm actually, it, it's when it comes to Spider-Man, it's it's more, it's worse than you think because I'm a person who doesn't care about getting quote unquote spoiled by a movie. Not mm-hmm. really. I don't care what the mm-hmm. plot. Is. I like a movie for how it's told, not what it's saying. Right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to something like that. Like the people that I'm not talking about everybody who's a general audience member. Okay. I'm talking about the people who care, and I, this is people that I will see on a feed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, casual moviegoers who go to see, even without a pandemic, they'll go to see four movies a year in a theater. Right? Okay. They don't see a lot of movies. Sure. Right? They are so excited about no spoilers for Spider-Man, and yet all these same people are the ones posting about the secret of the movie. They're like, oh, see, this is what this is. Like, they know, but they don't want to know, but they're acting like they don't know, but they really do. And it's just like, it's a, everything is so known. There's no way to hide things anymore. But then we have this cognitive ability to be like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen, but you do. Like, even if you want to hide yourself from it, you already know. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like, even people who didn't want to be spoiled by Spider-Man, like, already kind of knew based on the way that culture talks about these things. Whereas back then, I mean, yeah, obviously the Wizard of Oz was a book. You, you know what's going to happen in Wizard of Oz, but like how it's going to be depicted is, I don't know. Like, I just think that that's a, a, a thing that we're so far away from now mm-hmm. that it's hard to, um, I don't know. It's just hard to imagine it. It's, it's wild. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, it is. It's such a different, different world. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what were we talking about? Munchkins, the poor Munchkins. Yeah, want to know some other sad facts? Remember that thing where people used to say there was a dead body in the background of the movie? I did read that. That's not a real thing. I don't think it's no, a real it's thing. not real. It's been debunked, but that was to be the longest thing forever. Was like people saying that that was a thing. In it's kind of like the three men and a baby thing. Yeah, also okay. not a not a thing, but yeah. So they say. <laughs> if you're a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, you're probably into that kind of stuff. Yeah, probably. Some other sad facts about the Munchkins. Yeah. Um, Toto, the dog, yeah. reportedly earned $125 per week of filming. That's a pretty good amount back then for a dog. Oh, um, the train. I don't think the dog is getting them. They're putting the money in his mouth. Yeah, they're putting <laughs> in his bank account. But each Munchkin actor just earned $50 per week. Well, to be fair, Toto's in more of the movie. He is a larger star. So, I mean, that does make sense. What do you think about the music in this movie other than Somewhere Over the Rainbow? Uh, not, not my favorite. Yeah, it's got a... There's a few elements of it that are good. Like, you often see the wizard. You know, there's elements that are good, but, like, some of the songs... Like, even Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, like, that song before it gets to that part is not great. <laughs> in in the songs for each of the, like, the I Don't Have a Brain... Well, it's all the same song, just add different lyrics, right? The, the one that... I don't know. The character... I mean, okay. Uh, I don't love Wizard of Oz. Okay. okay. So that's a thing. Okay. And part of the things I don't love about it yeah. are the scarecrow, the tin man. He's less bothersome to me, but that fucking lion. Just like, you fuck like him. Fuck the way he's acting. Put him up. Put him up. Oh my God. I just, I don't know what it is about it, but it's both like creepy and irritating. And just like, I don't give a <gasps> Oh, I just, I can't. I'm just like, Cries ugh. 
Ugh. It's a very distinct voice. It's, it's a not whole thing. Unlike anything and it just like grates on my nerves. I feel like it grated on my childhood child nerves. In the scarecrow, like I don't have a brain. I'm just like, shut the fuck up, guy. You're so annoying. The Tin Man, I feel like he irritated me the least of the three. Because um, he can't move because he's being quietly poisoned throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and he just maybe because he couldn't move so much was just like less obnoxious. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I I kind of like uh, some of the Cowardly Lion's turn of phrase. I guess. Um, I liked you liking it better than I liked liking it. But, like, I mean, it, it, it a little bit goes a long way, and it just keeps going. And, and then, so like, at one point, he jumps out a fucking window. I was just like, what the fuck are you doing, guy? <laughs> so, yeah, <sighs> uh, you know, and it's very much a thing if you're an adult. Here's the thing that also, like, I think it's better if you discover the movie as a kid. Because, like, oh, I need, I a, I need a brain. I need a heart. I need courage. And if you're an adult, you're just like, well, these people fucking have this. Like, this is just you're like... You're fucking scarecrow. Well, I mean, it's just like, they obviously you have a brain because you wouldn't be Because you're to... walking around and, and, and functioning. And, and I mean, and that's the thing. Like, that's what kind of gets explained to them later by the by the wizard, right? I mean, they explain that you already have these things, right? And I think that that message, while good, is still like very much like a kid-focused message. But it's also hard to really get that message because I'll tell you what, I didn't get that message as a kid watching it because I feel like in the end, he's giving them things. And so it's like, I was like, okay, well, they're getting the things get that they wanted. Now you see you have a brain. You couldn't have a See, I didn't actually get the message that like, well, stop, had it. stop wishing for things that you already have. I did not get that message <laughs> until you actually just said it. And I was like, oh yeah, that is <laughs> All right, the well, fucking I message. Take it away. I, take it back I think then. you were just a smarter teenager when you watched it. Because <laughs> when I watched it, I was like, a diploma, that's not a fucking brain. That doesn't make any <laughs> well, sense. Well, he already has a brain. That's the That's point. why it didn't make any sense to me. It was he so already, confused. They already have the things they want. Dorothy already has the things she wants. I, they already no, have she, I mean, she does it. She does too. She's always, she didn't leave her house. Of course, she already has what she has. Home is where her heart is. It's so fucking annoying all right this um, movie's annoying <laughs> like i i want to like it the side characters are not my favorite i think what um works and what worked for me this time are again marveling at the production aspect of it first toto toto well yeah okay. toto next the, somewhere in the rainbow yeah the twister but no yes, the production and set designs i love it i mean it, it's yeah. so beautiful to watch and like I, the thing i kind of forgot before watching it was when they walk into the poppy field with all that red Gorgeous with the the city in the background and mm-hmm. you know whatever that snows to get them off make them not sleepy mm-hmm. okay whatever I liked um, I forgot about the 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 tree guys are they like the apple they took an apple mm-hmm. and they get pissed off at them for taking the apple I like all that design elements I love the the flying monkeys and the attack in the in the in the woods I mean all I'll that tell stuff you what, is I, really I do not great. remember the monkeys being like humans. Like, as a child, you think I they thought... they got real monkeys? I thought they were more monkey-like, but now watching, I'm like, those are fucking people in fucking monkey costumes. What do you think? They're going to get monkeys in there? I don't know, but, like, if I think back in the pictures in my head as memories, uh-huh. I'm like, those are just monkeys wearing wings. Yeah. In my right. head. Um, and then I see them, I'm like, that is not what I remember them fucking looking I like. I mean, it would be impressive if they were able to get monkeys. That is not what I remember them, them looking like. them on a like. little string and, I mean, yeah, no. So, and apparently a lot of the actors that played those monkeys yeah. had several injuries as the wires snapped when they were flying them around. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Where are you getting all your fun facts from, by the way? Uh, a plethora of resources. Yeah. But my core place yeah. is a, a, a delightful spot <laughs> called a Parade. So, Parade. So, I'm assuming this is Parade Magazine. I mean, it's Parade 
parade.com but yeah it's parade and magazine. this is classic uh like old millennials content oh, here because parade yes. used to be and it probably still isn't there to some extent sunday paper it's like a sunday newspaper thing it's like the na- a national insert but it would be in your local paper yeah. and it's color yeah it's a little bit glossy yeah it's like 12 pages the first part was always the best though there's always like a q a with oh, some Q&A celebrity was my favorite yeah and then like another little wholesomey feature but there'd mm-hmm. always be some kind of like movie or television pump cop culture related yeah. q a thing and it was like when that was, was my favorite. That's the part as yeah. a kid. You're like, I will grab this. When I was this getting in into comics. newspaper reading, it was obviously comics section on Sunday. But then the next thing after you get the comics yeah. is that parade magazine. Give me the parade magazine. Yeah, and then you, and you move on as you get older. But yeah, I don't know. I, I imagine they still probably do parade. There's another competitor because at the paper that I worked for, uh, I think we might have had parade. They, I don't know what they have now. Um, but the other one in town, the other paper, I think had the other thing. So if you got both papers, like our family did on Sundays, sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my dad would go, at least in the summer when we go, yeah, he want to get both papers, right? There'd be two different ones. It'd be one that was parade. And the other one was, uh, the, mm-hmm. the other. So it was founded parade magazine in 1941. Okay. It's an American nationwide Sunday newspaper magazine distributed in more than 700 newspapers in the United States. Yeah. So from 1941, that's fucking incredible. That's great. So I'm assuming, I'm hoping that Parade.com is those people and not just some random person that stole their their domain name and they just come up with Wizard of Oz facts. It sounds like they're still publishing the actual, like, print version. That's great. In 2019, they uh, cut their schedule, so they skip six weekends a year. Because let me tell you, as someone who works uh, or has worked and partially works at newspapers, uh, the Sunday paper is a big deal. And a lot of that, because of the revenue element, like imagine if you're a paper who depends on ads to survive. Mm-hmm. And then like, I don't know, I don't know if Target, Target might be a bad example because they might still print one. But a lot of these big stores are like, you know what, we don't need to put that in there. We'll just make an online one and we'll tell people to go to our app. Yeah. And then all those newspapers lose a lot of money. Yeah, just saying, this is, this is how, and then people wonder why uh, journalism and media is uh, so fucked it's because the, the places that used to have good reporting uh depended on stuff that, that they, they don't spend money on anymore mm-hmm. anyway parade magazine has parade.com and they have fun facts about wizard yes. of oz yes hopefully they're true well and they also <laughs> cited um because they pulled them from also some other places and then that's kind of the downside of us like watching it on like prime or hbo or whatever like we weren't didn't like i i'm sure i have a dvd of wizard of oz and it has some content on there, but because we watched it on streaming and we didn't get like yeah, that, you do, go click on the other thing. You do miss some of the bonus features that are came out on DVDs that now now people don't have to either even put together. Yeah, like Disney, you know, Disney Plus will still put some things on their movies, like little uh, extra bonus not. features, but not it's not consistent in... Um, and where's the uh, whatchamacallits? The commentary is yeah. not as not as prominent anymore. Um, and that's kind of a bummer. You really got to go to like the, you know if a movie goes on the Criterion uh, train, then you get more content. But, um, but that's for people that like that stuff. A lot of you know the vast majority of people who watch movies they don't want to watch that stuff anymore. They just want to watch the movie and go on to the next thing. So, do you want to have some more random fun facts, or uh, are you not interested? Oh in uh, yeah, give me some more of these fun facts that may or may not be true. The grossest fun fact. Okay. Is that the lion's costume? Yeah. Was made of real lion pelts. Gross. That is disgusting. Two, it was a hundred and pound, hundred pounds. Gross. And three. So he's not he's not laughing or he's he's when he's crying like that. That's his real body just giving out. Y- like he's in agony. Yeah, and pose because of the lighting that they had to use for yeah. Technicolor, the temperature on set would get over a hundred degrees. Well, and that's the thing. Like Technicolor is not. That's a whole process of its own to make it yes. look the way it does. Yes. And so that is a big element of this that is 
kind of the marvel because it wasn't just like oh we film and it's color nope that's not how it worked like Mm -hmm. you had to specifically do things to make it happen and Mm -hmm. and to shoot it that way right here's the Um, here's the grossest thing there were two people on the set you said the grossest thing was the lion it's related to that okay with thinking of the hundred pound hundred degree set real fucking lion mane gross Mm -hmm. there were two people on set whose sole job it was to dry out the cowardly lion costume every night it apparently reeked Sweating. because he sweats so much. Sure, yeah. That is I disgusting. Sweat if I will put pants on. <laughs> that would be my luck. I'd be like, yes, I got a job on the fucking Wizard of Oz set. Here you go, Angela. You get to fucking dry out the sweaty costume every night. Yeah. Nasty. Well, at you're not, nasty. At least you're not going to fight in World War II. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, can I, I want to make a comment about one plot point that is also weird. And I have a question for you. Maybe you can help me. Okay. There's a point where Dorothy gets captured by the the, the Wicked Witch, who, by the way, like she's uh, Margaret Hamilton or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. it's great. Like she's it, what a what an I like no other no one else def, nothing else defines witch more mm-hmm. than her. And she used this. to be a teacher before she was the Wicked Witch, and she was 36, and uh um uh, uh the Good Witch Lady, what's yeah. your name? Glinda was 54. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, I just think that that is like the of, of all the things that's like she's the, great. Mm-hmm. Like we, our image of everything is basically based on that, right? I yes. Mean, and I know that it's based on other things, but that's what we visualize. She, right? Yep. She did um, a fantastic job. But anyway, there's a point where they capture Dorothy. She puts her in a tower, and she like pulls an hourglass over. And it's like, all right, when this hourglass over, you're done. And I'm just like, okay, well, what does that mean? So I actually, I mean, I, you were I, you were commenting a lot during this part, uh-huh. and I think that maybe like I wasn't exactly watching when the witch said what she said with the thing, so she, I missed it. She it seemed like she just said like you're gonna be th- your time is up when this comes up, and I was like, was well, she gonna like pass out and die, or is that and I, it, what it seemed like it was was she just that's when the witch was going to come back and take uh-huh. care of her like uh-huh. so she set a timer it's like when this timer comes i'm going to come back and kill you this is when i'm coming back i'm to coming back to you. get your get your slippers or whatever right yeah um yeah i don't i don't i don't know you don't know. you were definitely having a problem with that and then they threw the it. hourglass and they broke it but then that didn't like do anything so i was just like well what if that they was... didn't have clocks so they're like here's the clock all right i don't know i'm just very confused by all that it was just a clock i wasn't paying attention she was like to you it. have one hour i'm coming back but why where hour. did she go what was she doing she went off to go do something right and then i also think that like um this movie has a whatever of an ending which is just like we're running around the tower and then like oops there's a bucket of water on the side here and then the witch is dispatched by a bucket of water so like real talk <laughs> i don't remember that any of that i'm melting i'm melting no no, no i like, remember the melting but okay. if you would have asked me i would have How told you melting. that she encountered her on the golden on the the yellow, yellow brick, brick road. road at some point like later but like towards the end and that's when she got water on her i do not remember one i do not remember them going to the wizard and then the wizard giving them the assignment to go get the mm-hmm. wicked witch i thought that just sort of like happened and then there was only the one scene with the wizard of oz and then oh. it was like he was revealed and then that was like the end oh that, yeah i kind of forgot that too there is two scenes they go to see him and it's yeah. great like this production design on this is amazing right? oh yeah it's really cool um but yeah then because i went that when we were watching it i was like surprised like we're at the end of the movie already yeah but then i so then i forgot like oh no we have to do the flying monkeys so they go and then they leave to go get the witches yeah room, right i did not remember that and then they like go the back middle. and that's when it's like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain which is the maybe the, the best line right yes but um but yeah all that is really good i like all the wizard of oz stuff he's like a dick as the wizard but then he's just like this guy 
um, that I and you He's know fumbling and definitely has imposter. Do you remember that syndrome? Sam Raimi like that James Franco movie, The Oz and Great and Powerful, that came out a few years ago? So, yes, it's kind but of like no. a prequel. I don't know. I could. I don't. I'm curious about it now that we watch this movie. And nah, the James Franco doll is a problem, but I'm wondering. I remember not liking it, and I remember thinking it was it didn't do well. And I know it's more based on maybe some of those books, but anyway, I was thinking about that because he does go in this balloon. You know, he try the wizard tries to just take her home on a balloon, mm-hmm. and then the balloon floats away by accident, so he does she doesn't get to do that. But um, but yeah, no, I I um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was. Mm-hmm. You know the whole dream aspect of it. Um, the she goes back and she. The part I guess I forgot too was you know the three people like you were there and you were there. It's not her aunt and uncle. It's these three dudes. Like who are these dudes? Mm-hmm. Like they're workers on the farm. They're uncle like their uncles. Are they like courting her eventually? I want to know who these three fucking dudes are that are just lingering around their house all the time. The lion, the scarecrow, and the. And the cowardly lion, they're the, they're the three guys are like, you were there, you were there. And the wizard is a guy from previously, right? But the aunt and uncle are not. They're not the ones that are there, right? So I'm just like, who are these fucking guys? Well, one of them's an uncle. Okay. Uncle Henry. Zeke. Auntie M, Uncle Henry. Those are the two. No, but they're not. But you're right. The... There's Hunk. Hunk. There's Zeke. Yeah, Zeke. Hickory. Who the fuck are these guys? Well, I think they're farmhands, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, Yeah. Yeah, and then there's I don't like, like them. There's a, then there's like this disturbing. Why are they in her bedroom while she's waking up? Like, agreed. They're all like over her, and then her, like and then her line at the end, towards the end, is something like, "I realize that like if something is going wrong, or I feel like I need to run away, that I just need to like stay here." And I don't know. I was very much like I. I'm creeped out by that. It comment. is a weird message. It's this message. I think it is better stay home. as a kid. But the problem is, is that Judy Garland doesn't really look like a kid in the movie. She just looks like a young, like maybe 16 or 15. Yeah, And right? in the books, she's like, they didn't, he, the, the age isn't called out, but I did read it's like 10 to 12. Yeah. See, that's so just, she's like a 10 year old when she goes to Oz. So that when it's a message when you're 10, it's like, oh yeah, no, your home is, is good. Like that's where your people care about you. Yes. That's it. But when you're like maybe 16 going on 18 like the message of that is like weird it's like what's she saying i can't leave my house ever like i have to be trapped here forever with zeke and hunk and, yes. and tomboy here like i don't know like i, I think that that's kind of not cool man especially in like tornado alley like i don't want to get like hit flung flood if i don't get to the cellar again yes like i'm lucky to be alive this time frankly yep i am i am all of a sudden getting very curious now to like read all these books <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would be up your alley. I mean, there's like 14 of them. I think two of them were, uh, you know, after he had died. Yeah. Well, but still, I know this is a lot of stories. Yeah. Then I can answer all your questions. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Fi- it sounds like you're still just kind of a person that's like, The Wizard of Oz is fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, I like. I appreciate it, it for yeah. its historical reasons, for like the impact on culture, for some of the magic. Right, you know, I'm good to go with like wizards and witches and shit. I like, had a I'm moment in it. I had a moment when we were watching this when somewhere over, over the rainbow comes on. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be the time when I watch this movie where I love the Wizard of Oz. Like, it's gonna become a favorite movie. Like, cause it, I just love it. I love that scene. Yeah. I love it so much. I love the song. I just, I love how the dog is right there. And I'm just like, yes, this is my unlocking finally. And then I kind of had my same reaction, which is like, I appreciate this. I like the visuals. I like this, but it's not my movie. But I, I kind of thought, cause it's like the old West Side Story was kind of that way. And some other movies that are just like, I didn't really latch on to it the first time, and then like another viewing, I was like, okay, well now I I feel connected to this, and this is still a movie that I don't have that connection to. But I mean, it's it's a classic. It doesn't. It definitely is. 
It's not <laughs> to say it's not good is wrong because it, it is good and it's an achievement, right? It's just not my movie, and that's yeah. okay. I would agree. It peaks. Yeah. It peaks it. Uh, the song. But I really thought like this was that when I that came on, I was like, oh my god, this I'm gonna, is gonna like get love. Me. It's kind of like when we watched because uh, I never liked Little Women, and then we watched that new Little Women movie. And during that movie, I was just like, oh my god, I love Little Women. I love the story. This is like one of my favorite stories of all time. Like I just everything like clicked together. Like mm-hmm. yep, this is what I, this is exactly my jam right now. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was gonna have that moment with The Wizard of Oz, and then I was like, well, I guess not. <laughs> Here's what I think the problem with the movie is. I don't think there's a problem. No. Maybe your problem. Here's a problem I experienced with the movie. Okay. The story is very much based on a 10-year-old girl. Yeah. And it's played by a 17-year-old actress. Yeah. And so when she is acting like a 10-year-old or 12-year-old girl, I don't fucking buy it. And I don't like how she's just like, oh, I'm so Scared. I don't know if oh. she's really doing it all that much. Oh, I just I want to go home and oh, I'm just like, oh fuck, you're like a grown ass woman. What the fuck is your problem? Figure it out. And I think watching it as a kid, I didn't get that she was like only supposed to be like a young girl, like yeah. ten or twelve. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why is why is it a problem that she? I don't. I didn't understand. Like, go run away. That's fine. You're really like, you don't have to live at your house. Like, you're you're go go live in your own life, lady. Yeah, again, it's a weird message. Again, if it's like a kid, you're like, yeah, that's a great message. And then, but if you're like 17, you're like, well, I mean, in a year, maybe you should like go and see somewhere else besides your your Kansas farm. That yeah. seems like a good thing. Yeah. So I didn't like buy the emotional <laughs> yeah. aspect yeah. of it. I mean, like maybe being able to go home again and having that connection, and your home is really where you have your familial connection yes where are her parents by the way i know she is with auntie i mean i'm sure this is all in the book they're probably dead God, dead parents dead, it's always the dead parents yeah anyway yeah i don't want to know because you know like the uh uh speaking of spider-man you know how like in spider-man he's like he's always with uncle ben and aunt may right and then in the like andrew garfield amazing spider-man movies they're like there's like a prologue where his parents are like have a plot and they get killed and it's like no fuck i don't want this in like what? i don't in, like, the last round of Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield, before they went into the MCU, oh, yeah. they have that big prologue of, like, explaining where Peter Parker's parents go and why they're dead and why it connects to his life. And it's like, nope, don't need any of this. And I think that might be a scenario where I definitely don't need to know where uh, Dorothy's parents are. Probably don't need to know. They're same dead. with, you know same with Luke Skywalker. I don't need to know what the funk's going on there. Just don't need it. I mean, yeah, we obviously find out that Luke's father... But, like... Okay, like, I know that sounded kind of dumb because, like, obviously a big part of Star Wars is finding out that his dad is Darth Vader. But, like, you don't necessarily have an issue at the beginning of the first Star Wars thinking, like, oh, he lives with his aunt and uncle. That's fine. Like, it's not, like, this big... Like, he talks about it later, but it's not like this... Uh, like, I'm, I'm glad that I don't have that backstory in that first movie. It's better to be in the second movie. I don't think there's a good story uh, of, like, Dorothy having a Darth Vader-like figure in her life as a parent. Although, maybe... <laughs> They're it's dead. It's Zeke. She's Zeke. an orphan. No, Zeke's her dad. No, she's an orphan. They're dead. Okay. Yep. Cool. But, like, why? Why is that going to be part of the story? Because that's what it always is. It's fucking annoying. Kids' stories are by. Gotta kill, gotta kill a parent off. It's what we do. It's annoying. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. I mean, we what could, a perfect I could, January I could, I could movie. Keep to talk talking about. about Wizard of Oz, but yeah, you know, it's 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 Wizard of Oz. That's why we spend forty-five minutes talking about other stuff. No, I don't know. That's all I got. That's all you got. That's all I got. Okay. Anything else? I mean, there's so much, but it's 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 all interesting. I think it's it's like a history thing. Yeah, it's a movie that is very well. Some movies are like that. Like they're just like it's good to see them. It's good to know their history of how it plays a role in things. 
And the other, but you know, mileage will vary because I think a lot of people think of Citizen Kane that way. But I personally just think Cinem- Citizen Kane is just like a blast to watch. Like that movie's really good, and mm-hmm. like it's an enjoyable movie to watch for me. You know what I mean? Not just like homework of being like, well, I can appreciate how this was influential. Like I think that movie works for me, and I'm sure that is the case with Wizard of Oz. It's just for me, it's more of like this historical artifact rather than something that connects to me personally. Yeah. 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 For a movie with wizards and the witches, it's surprising that I don't love it more. Yeah. It's just... Uh, you like them having... You like your wizards and witches fucking more, I think. And, like, doing some more shit. You like, like Glinda barely shows up. Like, what the fuck? She has so much power as this good witch. And Do you like, like Wicked? Bye. The, um, the Wicked uh, musical? I don't think I've ever seen it. I have not seen it, but I... I like the idea of it. I know the soundtrack, so I kind of know the story in the way I, I, I know the soundtrack, but I've never seen it. I think they're make, finally making, like, a theatrical movie version of it now, but I really like the musical mm-hmm. and the what the music is, but I've never seen it um, on stage, so... Mm-hmm. And I have not... Yeah. So anyway, I do like that story, but... And I like the music, but I don't know... I don't know. I knew I liked Hamilton before I got to see Hamilton, so... Because it, it, the music gives you the story, mm-hmm. I mean, of Wicked, so that's fine, but anyway... All right, so that has been a fun episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies, where we watched the 1939 Wizard of Oz, in which we both were like, it's good, this is the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, there you go. That's where we landed. What a great way to end 20... Oh, shit. God damn it. We're going to lose our sponsor. Oh, man. I keep forgetting. We fucked up the timeline. Oh, man. Sandy New Year's coming. Please stop dropping the sponsorship. It's coming. You may not be thrilled with the movie we pick for Sandy New Year, but it's a Sandy New Year movie all nonetheless, so just be happy, okay? Be happy about it. All right, Don't friends. Don't say what it is either. Thanks they for will listening. Not tune in. We will talk at you another movie. It's coming. Sandy New Year will be here.